You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Turn to a few people and say, I'm ready for it. Praise God. I, the sermon tonight, I, I, I actually, the title for it is a question, and that is this. What brings the greatest blessing in your life? What is it that brings the greatest blessing? And tonight, to make it very simple, is believing in something that you cannot yet see yet in your life. That will actually bring the greatest blessing in your life because there's so much attached to it. There's peace attached to it. There's joy attached to it. But it, it's, it's something that a lot of people, they believe when they can see it, but they don't always believe when they can't see it. Tonight, I'm telling you that God wants you to believe in things that you cannot yet see in your life. And when you do that, it brings the greatest and the most wonderful blessing in your life. And, you know, we live in a culture that magnifies how we feel to such a degree that everybody gets offended at one another. And it literally has crippled a lot of people's faith in the church because we walk more by what we feel than by what the Word of God says. In fact, you probably all heard a preacher do this, and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the preacher, but ever heard a preacher say this, we're going to do an offering tonight. Get ready, everybody. I want you to give as you feel led. Now, what would seriously happen in the church if everything we did, we felt good about it? Think about it for a moment. I mean, what would happen on your job if you only showed up when you felt like it? What would happen in your marriage if you only treated your wife nice when you felt like it? You wouldn't last for long, would it? In the church, we're to walk by faith, not by what we feel. And there's a lot of people that are, are trying to call feelings faith when feelings are not faith. They're different. And what I want you to see from this that I believe is very substantial is that we've got to learn how to live by what we believe rather than what we see or feel in our lives. Because it would really be hilarious, personally, if the only decisions you made in your life were based on how you felt. Well, I don't feel like getting up going to work today. How long do you think that would last? Oh, I don't feel like taking out the garbage this week, baby. But yet we've applied the same principle in Christianity and we've identified feelings with faith. Well, I feel like God wants me to do this. Faith is more than a feeling. It can produce feelings, but it's a whole lot more than a feeling. Amen? Now, I know there's manifestations of the Holy Spirit and, and God's presence and anointing is tangible and you can feel it. I'm fully aware of that, but also I'm aware of the fact that many times in faith you start out, you don't feel like it's going to work. You don't feel like it's going to work out the way you want it. You don't feel like that things are going to end up the way that you want them to be. And, and if you're waiting for that feeling to change before you believe, you're going to be subject to the way you feel. 
And God wants a subject to our faith, not a subject to how we feel about the situation. Amen? And you see it a lot with people in the church that have been offended or wherever, and they say things like this, well, I don't feel accepted in the church, or I, I don't feel like anybody loves me, or, and it's, it's always that feely, wheely, wheely. That's because they're being controlled by their emotions, and they've mistaken them for faith. I'll guarantee you when, Goliath, when David went against Goliath, he didn't feel like fighting that day. I guarantee you that when Peter stepped out of the water and walked on it, he didn't feel like stepping out on the water and walking on the water, but he was believing, and, and, he, and he acted on what he believed, not how he felt that day in his life. Amen? So tonight I want to look at this because the greatest blessing that you'll ever have in your life comes from believing in things that you cannot yet see in your life. And if you can believe for something that you cannot see, it won't be that long and you'll see it. But you got to be willing to believe for it, whether it's raising kids, whether it's developing a, a better marriage, whether it is, you know, uh, getting in shape physically, whatever. You gotta, if you can believe that you're going to get in better shape, believe that you're going to lose that weight before you actually see it, then God will have something to work with. But... Imagine if all, all I ever did was eat what I felt like eating. Worked out when I felt like working out. I'd be a two-ton Tony. <laughs> Amen. All right. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Acts. And I'm going to show you that we live in a dispensation that is a dispensation where you believe first before you see. Now, when you go in the Old Testament, it's different. In the Old Testament, God would do different signs and so forth, and people would believe because they saw this miracle or that miracle. They saw the, the Red Sea parted and so forth, and they would believe because of what they saw. But in the New Testament, it's different. In the New Testament, we go from that to this believing in things that we don't see. I've never seen Jesus physically raised from the dead, but I believe in him. Amen? Now, let's look at this. This is the transition, verse 1 of Acts. The former account I made of Philopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Stop right there. Notice Jesus' ministry didn't end when he died on the cross and was resurrected. It continues in the church today. In other words, Jesus' ministry never ended just because he went to the cross and was resurrected. It, it continues in the church. It goes on. Until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit, he was given the commandment to the apostle, now like this, whom he had chosen. Now, I don't know if you understand how crazy this is. Here's the creator giving a commission to a bunch of men who deserted him, who weren't, didn't stick with him in the middle of the fight. They bailed on him. And he's given them the greatest commission that's ever been given to mortal man on this earth. And he's given it to them because he chose them. 
You may be here tonight and maybe you're struggling, maybe you're having a problem, whatever, and, and you're thinking, how could God ever use you? He can use you, you know why? Because he chose you. And he didn't chose you because you earned it. He chose you because of his sovereignty. He decided he was going to use you for a purpose in your life. And it doesn't matter if you've blown it. It doesn't matter if you've messed up. It doesn't matter if you've lost your way. It doesn't matter what that is. You're still chosen by God to be a winner, to prevail, to succeed, to win in your life. You're still chosen by God to do that in your life. That's awesome. Because I'm chosen. I'm not chosen to be the frozen. I'm chosen to take God's purpose in my life and succeed at it. And even though I may have those times in my life where I doubt and, and, and waver and do that kind of stuff, I'm still chosen. Nothing's going to change that. And God's telling us that God has cho- chose us for victories, chose us to do things in our life that would further the kingdom of God. It's a cho- we're chosen for it. Put that back on the screen. To whom he also presented himself alive after suffering for many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now this, again, pinpoints my point. In the Old Testament and in Jesus' ministry, many people believe because of what they saw. And Jesus, after his resurrection for 40 days, he did miracles amongst his disciples proving that he wasn't just a spirit that he was a body he ate food one time walked through walls he was proving to them that he was raised from the dead but the reality is that none of us have experienced that most of us haven't anyway but you believe because of the word that he spoke to us in his word amen and let's go on And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Oh boy, this is powerful. Now notice, he's revealed himself to them, and he wants them to wait for something, because here's the difference. When he was on the earth, the kingdom of God was within him. And when you had Jesus, you had the kingdom of God. But when he died on the cross, he cleared the way so that he could ascend on high and sat down. And then when he sent the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God could come within all of us. And it would no longer be external where Jesus was walking around, you know, the earth. And, you know, you see him and whatever. Now now Jesus would be within us. It's a completely different switch than the way that Jesus ministered. But he set it up for great success. But in order to do that, you have to believe without seeing to receive these blessings. I want to just make a statement here that's so critical for this. How many got a dream in your life? If you had, all dreamers. Did you know that the moment you get a dream, people won't like it? The moment you get a dream, the devil's going to come after you. The moment you begin to believe for something, he's going to attack you. It reminds me of the story of Joseph. He has this dream that he's going to be ruling over his brothers. And it says in Genesis that when he shared that with his brothers, it says they hated him. 
They didn't say, oh, good boy, we're proud of you. No, they hated him because of the dream and the vision. And he had to believe. In spite of what he saw, his dad wouldn't even support him. His brothers wouldn't support him. And you know, it went from bad to worse. They got so jealous of him, they beat him up, threw him in a well. Now, I'm sure when he was down in the well, he was thinking, okay, they, you know, they've messed up a little bit. They throw me down. They're trying to teach me a lesson. But I'm just waiting for a rope to come down, and they're going to take me out and, and say, I'm sorry. I lost my temper, whatever. And I'm sure he was down there. He was, in, he was anticipating getting out and going back to what he was. And a rope comes down. He grabs it, pulls himself out of the pit, and the only people around him are people he don't know, and they put chains on his feet and on his hands, and he realized he was sold to be a slave to go into Egypt. Now, at that point, it'd be easy to give up on the dream. Boy, I miss God. I must have had some bad pizza that night. That's the, that's the nature of it. And you look at Joseph and, and even from that standpoint and, and he goes and we know Potiphar bought him as a servant and he was promoted and became master of a very wealthy person's house. And then Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and he resisted it and bad went to worse and he ends up in the king's prison. But even in the king's prison... He was promoted. All those times were, were excuses where you could say, man, I really miss God. God said I was going to be ruling everyone. Now I'm in a cage. Now I'm a prisoner. But you don't find one record of him ever saying that because he believed in what he saw before he saw it. Before he experienced the breakthrough. He believed he had the breakthrough. Amen? And then we know the story where he, uh, he was asked to interpret a dream and one of the prisoners and, and they reminded the Pharaoh later when they got out and he interpreted the Pharaoh's dream and became the second most powerful person in Egypt. Just like that, from rags to riches. But look at the process. And some of you are going through that right now. You've been standing in faith. Oh, God, and you're believing this. And, and you look at this, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And not everybody agrees with you. Not everybody thinks you're right on the track there. But the greatest blessing you'll ever have in your life is to believe in what the Word says without seeing it. If you can do that, it will produce a level of blessings that supersedes anything you can see right now in the natural. And there are spiritual things attached to it. Peace, safety, guidance, direction. God sends people in your life to help you with it. It's powerful. But you have to believe in that respect. Okay, so in our text, in Acts, he says, he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. In fact, put that verse up if you would. For, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons with the Father who has put 
it in his own authority. It's just like us. What do we do? We want it right now. We want to see it right now. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know when. Amen? I wish I could tell you when it would happen. But I can't. God's got his own timing involved. And, and, but the reality is, keep believing. Because it will work. Let's go on. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria circle that word Samaria and to the end of the earth this is very significant he gives them a global vision after they get empowered amen and he says you're going to go into Samaria now for us we don't think anything of it but to a Jew no way Jews would go out of their way for days to avoid Samaria. They hated going through Samaria because the Samaritans hated them and they hated the Samaritans. And so this, when the apostles heard this, they're probably thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to do this. See, this is what's powerful when you start to believe the word. The word will bring you into areas and have you do things that you would normally feel like doing and do. But when you begin to believe God's word and, and what God will do in your life, God begins to open up doors. God begins to do things that will bless you and help you. And, but some of the things that you do, you may not like. But God has a bigger vision involved for you that will bless you and the greatest blessings are in those who believe without seeing it and they had to surface value to do this and what's crazy about it it took Peter 12 years to get the revelation of this even though at Pentecost when he preached which is crazy he talked about how the gospel was to go into all the world and it would, the spirit of God would, would come on all flesh he prophesied it, but he still was, was bound up by tradition and thought God was only ministering to the Jews. It took 12 years later uh, with a vision for to convince him that God wanted to pour his spirit on everybody. He didn't feel like going to a Gentile's house. He didn't feel like fellowshipping with Samaritans that weren't of his culture, of his breed per se. But it was God's will. Amen? And that's what you got to do as a Christian. You got to do that. I mean, I remember raising our kids. I never felt like spanking them. And some parents, they won't do it. Well, I don't, you know, I was beat up when I was a little kid. And I just can't hurt the kid. I can't spank them. Well, they'll be brats. <laughs> they'll drive you insane. You got to spank them. They won't die. They may act like they're going to die, but they won't die. You got to spank the rebellion out of them. If you don't, they'll just destroy your life and, and rob the joy from your life. But it's not something that you really like to do. Amen? And I know some of you women are like that. You don't, you love to play with babies and have babies and all that kind of stuff. But when you're having that baby... You're doing everything but cussing at your husband for the baby. There are things that we have to do. And if we believe, we'll be able to do things that we don't feel like doing that will produce the greatest blessing in our lives. 
Amen. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you came tonight to hear this. And obviously, you need it. The pastor keeps going over it over and over again. Praise God. Now, let me show you how this works. You see a parallel to this in the Old Testament. When God delivered Israel out of Egypt, Moses showed up, and remember Moses says, well, how are they going to, what makes them think they're going to believe me when I say we're going to leave Egypt? And God gave him that miracle, taking the staff, throwing it on the ground, turns into a serpent, whatever. So he did that miracle, and they believed. And then they believed when they saw the plagues, and they saw darkness come over Egypt, but not over Gosha. And they saw all the supernatural things and they saw the pillar of fire and they saw the, the glory cloud, all those things. They believed when they saw that when the manna came down from heaven. But you know when they went into the promised land, the glory cloud stopped. The fire stopped. It was gone. There was no more of that happening when they went in the promised land because the promised land had to be taken by faith and it couldn't be faith sight it couldn't be the kind of faith that you see something it had to be the faith that you had to believe first before you could see it and so you see that and the same thing is true with us to church today we're in a promised land blessing uh, ear in the church and we have to believe first before we see it you gotta believe first that you're gonna come out of it before you come out of it. You got to believe it first. And see it in your life. See your life change. See your life transform. See things change. And if you can do that. Then your future begins to be altered and changed. Because of how you believe. But if you're waiting for everything to get better. Then you're controlled by the circumstances. Well you know. If this happens it must be God's will. Or if this doesn't happen it must not be God's will. If you do that you'll be like a ping pong back and forth and you'll never get anywhere it's only when you use your faith that God's will is fulfilled in your life if you only believe based on what you see you'll sink your own ship amen you got to believe in God's word his direction in your life to bring it to the place that God wants you to have in your life amen because at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on us, the kingdom came within us. I'm so excited about the kingdom coming within me because now God's with me even when I don't feel like he's with me. Even when it don't look like he's with me, he's with me. And I need God not just in church. I need God when I'm making a business decision. I need God when I'm training grandkids. I need God when I'm fellowshipping with my wife. I need God when I'm doing ordinary things. And the Holy Spirit, when he came on the church, he came upon them and within them. And now we have God in us, not just outside of us. He's inside of us working on our will working on our purposes and that is so awesome that you can be in the grocery store and you can have fellowship with God you can be in the dentist and you can be God please help me you can God can be with you wherever you are at in your life that's the church that we're supposed to live in there's a, a great power in this when you really identify with it 
begin to realize that I'm never alone. The Holy Spirit's always with me. Even when I don't feel like things are working out, God's still there. He's still working. Even when I feel like I've completely botched things up, God's still there. This is the dispensation we believe in. So we believe in something that we can't see. And as you believe in that, God begins to manifest in your life this or that to bring the blessing to pass in your life. There's a story I heard years ago. It was a, about a, a young girl. She was in a house fire. And they had a two-story home. And the father ran outside. He couldn't get upstairs because the flames and, and the smoke and everything up. And she's up on the second floor. And, and uh, he yells to her. He says, jump and I'll catch you. And she's yelling through the smoke, I can't see you, Dad. I can't see you. And he yells back, but I will catch you. You've got to trust me. Just jump. I know you can't see me. I will catch you. That's the way the church is right now. Jesus is up in heaven, seated in heavenly places. We can't always see the angels. We can't always see the deliverance. But God says, I'll catch you. Just jump. Just trust me. Just throw your life on me. I will help you. I'll break you through those, those, those storms in your life. And that's something that I've, I've always loved to believe before I ever saw it. See, you'll never get healed if you wait to feel better. I'll go to church and have the pastor pray for me. If I feel something, then I got it. That's not how you get healed. The woman who had the blood issue for 12 years, what did she do? She believed that if she touched him, she'd be well. She didn't feel well when she was pressing through the crowd. She didn't have a relapse. The people with leprosy, the 10 people that Jesus healed, they didn't have a relapse and their skin started getting better when they appeared to Jesus. They were in the worst possible condition. They didn't feel good. Their skin was itchy. They could smell the disease on their life. And that's the way it was. But they believed that if they just got in contact with Jesus, they could be delivered from their infirmity. Same thing's true with people that come to Christ. They come and they didn't probably feel like coming to church. It's probably the last thing in their, their mind. I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. But something happens. The Holy Spirit awakens them. And for the first time, they can see where they couldn't see. And they decide to believe. Let me show you how, how dangerous this is to be emotionally driven and mistaken for faith. Jesus spoke something in the Sermon on the Mount, I'll never forget. He talked about at the end of the age and said, There'll be many that will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, Depart from your work in iniquity, I never knew you. And that's bad enough, amen? But the group of people he's talking to are our group. Because they said, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did wonders in your name. It wasn't the Baptists. It wasn't the Catholics. Even though I know we can include them in the group. I'm just saying that he took a group that from all appearance 
would look like they knew God. But here was the problem. They were basing their relationship on the external. Well, that guy got healed. That demon got cast out. And they weren't living out their faith from their hearts where they were believing they could do what God told them to do. Where they were believing they could walk holy like God said to, to, to walk holy. They weren't believing from their heart. It was, they were doing ministry. But they weren't believing in their heart. And because of that, he said, I never knew you. So to me, I don't care how many people get healed in the church. And to me, doesn't, what moves me is the born-again experience. That's what moves me. When people's lives are transformed on the inside and they leave the church and they start living their life believing in something they cannot yet see yet. I'm believing my wife's going to get, you know, she's going to take me back or whatever. Or I'm believing that God's got this purpose for me, this vision of my life, and he'll give me one step at a time. Then I know they're saved. But before then, I don't know. I know God gave them a sign to open their eyes. But did they really believe? Amen? So I wanted to say that because in my life, in your life, there's always these, those moments where we have to believe even though we don't see anything. Our feelings say, what's the use? It's not working. I'm broker than I was five years ago. Or I'm sicker than I was, you know, ten years ago. But the gospel we have is one that requires us to believe in something that we cannot see. And if you do that, what you believe for, you'll eventually see. Then your future is not controlling you. You're controlling your future. And you're not in so-and-so place because of circumstances, but you're because of God's will. That's a big difference. Amen? Now look at this verse. John chapter 20. This is Thomas. Listen to what Jesus says to Thomas. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This is after his resurrection. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of his nails I, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them and Jesus came, doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hands here and put it into my side. Do, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now watch this. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Amen? A new dispensation. A new way to believe. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, I think it's something that I've been taught a lot on, and that is how to believe. 
Bible said in Mark eleven twenty four, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But to do that, you have to believe you have it before you see it. And a lot of people just won't do that. Well, I got to feel something. I got the Holy Ghost jiggles, whatever. And I want to tell you, because I'm a charismatic, I preach to charismatic all the time. I've laid hands on people till they're blue in the face. And they don't change because some believe that's the only way they can change. It's all revolved around a feeling. But after the feeling's gone, are you going to believe? After the feeling is no longer there, are you going to pray? After the feeling is no longer there, are you going to pursue God? Are you going to walk by faith after the feeling's gone? If you don't, you'll waste the anointing that came on you. You got to be willing to believe and act on it. Whether you feel like it, whether you look like it or not. There's a parable that Jesus does on prayer that I really like. It talks about a man who at midnight, obviously it was an inconvenient time, a friend shows up at his house. He's got nothing to give to the friend. So he goes to one of his friends and pounds on the door. And the friend won't let him in, but because of his persistence, the friend opens the door and gives him everything he has. And Jesus said from that parable, he said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. But what he's really teaching us is this, that in prayer, never leave without receiving something from God. Never leave. Don't go to prayer and then leave without anything. Go to God and receive. Because you're wasting your prayers just by showing up without receiving. You got to say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm not leaving until I receive something in faith that I can walk out of this prayer closet with and I can stand in faith for it. I've got to receive it. I've got to hold fast to it. Praise God so that when I go out, I believe I got something even though I can't see it. And that's the only way that I'm going to pray. I'm not going to pray. Just get up to the surface and never leave with anything. I got to receive Amen. Amen. And when you do that, it really boosts your faith. And it puts things in motion that wouldn't be in motion. See, the Bible talks about the law of faith. Laws are rules. There are certain rules that faith will only work by. And if you can't believe you receive it, you're not operating under that rule and it won't work. Faith will not work by not receiving. You have to receive for it to work. You can't get saved unless you receive Christ. You can't get filled with the Holy Ghost unless you receive the Holy Ghost. You, you have to be able to spiritually receive it. Without it won't work. Amen? I want you to write this down for reference. Luke chapter 17, verse 9 through 10. This is a teaching Jesus did on faith about offenses how people get offended and so forth and forgiveness and in the story basically the disciples want Jesus to increase their faith because he's telling them to forgive everybody and, and if you know the background of Jewish people rabbis believe that there was a limit to the amount of times you had to forgive a person because remember 
under law, everybody's trying to do the word by their own power. So they got a tradition up that, you know, you, you only have to forgive a person so many times. Jesus blows that out of the water. Amen? Says there's no limit. So the disciples say, increase our faith. This is obviously going to be difficult. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to stand into this sycamore tree, which was known for the roots that went way down into the ground, which is symbolic of bitterness and offense. And he said that kind of faith that believes it'll grow bigger than the problem will obey you. But what's crazy about the story is he didn't stop there. He goes on and describes this kind of faith or this kind of problem will obey you. This kind of faith will obey you. And then gives an example of a servant that you have working for you. The servant, he says, you, you don't tell the, you, the servant goes out in the field and comes back. And he says, you don't tell the servant, sit down, have some food, and then feed me later. You tell him to feed you first. And then he sits down later. And he uses the word say. Because faith always says something. Here's the point I want you to see. If you don't put your faith to work for you, you're not going to see the results that you want. And let me just try to explain to you the difference between faith and mind science and all this kind of stuff. Faith is like your hands. Now, if I pick up my Bible, you might say, Pastor Jack just picked up his Bible. But in reality, my hands picked up my Bible. Faith is the hands of the inner man. Your inner man, when you have faith, can take things, can receive things, simply because you want them. It doesn't take any great faith to believe you receive. It just seems like it's impossible when in fact it's extremely simple. You just inside your heart decide to receive it and you receive it. Faith is the hands of faith. And here's the other aspect. There's two, two perspectives. There's your human eyes and then there's the eyes of the heart. The eyes of the heart is that part inside of us where we can see what God promises as ours before we can see it in our physical eyes. And if you apply the eyes of the heart to anything that you're believing for, your faith will seize it and hold it and God's word will begin to work with you in a great life. Amen? And then that faith will become your servant and be working on behalf of your children, be working on behalf of your finances, be working on behalf of, of your body, be working on behalf of it. And all you have to do through the eyes of your spirit is, is take hold of that promise and see that promise in your life. Can you say amen? So you got to believe... And you have something that you cannot see in your life right now. 
Amen? Maybe you can't see yourself prospering. Maybe you can't see yourself getting out of that, that argument with your spouse where you just continually go rehearse the same problem over again. Maybe you can't see your life really becoming what it would be and, and worry keeps hitting you and you keep saying to yourself, you know, we don't got enough money here. We can't do this. And I don't see myself as having a future. You got to get in the Word and believe what the Word says and begin to see that in your life rather than what you actually have in your life. You get out to that old beater and you get in there and it's barely starting. You just see yourself in a, in a nice car. See yourself in a cab, whatever you want. And come on, say amen. amen. And just believe God. Then eventually someone will give you the car or someone will eventually give you enough money to buy the car. Amen. Now, look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And this is really a wild verse. But it's talking about Israel going to the promised land because I want to, I want to strengthen you before I quit here. Thou shalt not be frightened at them, for the Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little, and thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. Now notice what it says. It says that God is mighty. Oh, I like this. And he's terrifying. Say it with me. God's mighty, and he's terrifying. Now, he's not terrifying to us, but he's terrifying to his enemies. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Whatever the devil's throwing at you, if someone tries to come to the enemies, God's tried to destroy you. The good news is they are terrified of the power of God. They are terrified of God that protects us. They are terrified of it. I don't know if you understand the power that's in the gospel. In the Old Testament, there was no one that had the power to cast out demons out of people. There was no exorcism in the Old Testament under the law. There was none. The closest thing we have to it is David sung songs and demonic spirits lifted off Saul when he sung the songs. But there was no formula to cast out demons with people who are demon-possessed until Jesus came to this earth. Then the power of God was released through Christ. And it's one of the signs of the New Testament church that these signs shall follow them that they believe. They shall cast out devils. Praise God. The, the devil is terrified at the power of God and what God wants to do in your, church, in your life. He, he's terrified about it. Oh, man. Whew. He wants you to begin to believe in what you can't see so that God can move mightily in your midst. And it said in the text that, that God would give them victory little by little. Little by little. Little by little. Little by little. I don't know why it takes God sometimes. It doesn't take God a long time. The problem is sometimes... 
because of decisions we make in our life, the process is slowed down. And sometimes God is being patient with people, and so the process is slow. But the bottom line is, even if it's little by little, it's happening, praise God. I'm getting better. I'm getting over the mountain. Come on, things are pulling out of it. It's going to happen. Thank you, Jesus. It may be little by little, but it's happening, and I give praise to God. I believe that no weapon formed against it shall prosper. I believe that I'm going to have an inheritance to my children's children. I believe that with long life, I will be satisfied. I believe that God is moving in my family and my relatives and my are getting saved and set free. I believe that my neighbors are going to get saved. Come on, come on. You understand? You got, you got to see this. <laughs> Man, when you do that, it just, it transforms you when you begin to see it from that standpoint. I stood in faith for allergies for nine months before I got healed. Usually it doesn't take that long, but because it was something I was chronically ill with ever since I was young, it took nine months. And I believed every day, even though I didn't feel like it. And I remember walking the streets of Tulsa, and I was allergic to dust. And Tulsa, if you don't know it, it's just one big windstorm. And the dust blows everywhere. And I'd be out there praying, quoting the scriptures, believing I received. I'd go to Bible school and, and believe I received. I went to healing school and believe I received. While my throat is getting hurting and eyes are watering up, I believe I received. I thank God for the verses. I thanked him for it. And then one day, I didn't even notice it was gone. Yeah. And I can't tell you when it happened. It was just gone. I said, oh, pastor, that's just a figment of your imagination. You know, no, 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 no. Because it was 10 years ago, something like that. I went and they tested me for allergies because of another problem that I had. And they did all the tests and came back and said, you're not allergic to anything. Now, well, I'm talking about 30-some years ago or whatever, praise God. Longer than that, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. It is longer than that. But I'm so young in spirit, I don't, I don't identify with that. So I'm not saying it's an easy thing. But I am saying if it's God's will, all we can do is believe for it. And the Bible says that when Jesus returns, speaking of his, the second, his second appearance, it says that every eye will see him. Even those that pierced him. Every person that denied Christ, every person that refused to accept Christ will see him, but it'll be too late then. It'll be too late. You got to believe in him right now. Bow your heads with me right now. If I can get my positions up there. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship.